The Adam Crowley Show. Axon. 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 Oh no. Oh, it's on the nipple. Axon. 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 He went from the bottom. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Matt Murray said after the loss to the Capitals on Saturday that, to a man, the Penguins played well enough to win the game. That's not true. The team played its strongest period of the postseason in the second. They were sublime. The fourth line was rolling. The power play looked great. They had a bunch of chances, and Washington got outshot 18-5. to Through 40 minutes, there was no doubt about which team was better. That last 20, though, there was no doubt which team was better either. And I'm not so sure it's because the Capitals played well. The two non-empty net goals were due to a complete breakdown by the Pens. Chris Letang allowed Kuznetsov to walk in alone on goal from a stationary breakout. How that happens, I don't know. The game winner was terrible in no less than three ways. One, it looked like the Penguins may get the go-ahead goal, and then they didn't. Two, Murray follows Ovechkin around the left post, and that leaves a yawning cage. And three, Letang loses Verona in front. That's to a man not playing well enough to win the game. I understand the mindset. I get why the Penguins think they played well, but you need to finish the job. They didn't. Twice this series, the Penguins have led going into the third and lost the game. Great teams don't do that. The Penguins have played just well enough to lose two out of three. The great news is, though, the series isn't lost. If they can have a lead on Washington through two periods in three games, then they can do it again for two more. These teams are so damn evenly matched that nothing would surprise me. If the Pens won tonight and lost on Wednesday, I wouldn't be shocked. If they won both, I wouldn't be shocked. If they lost tonight, I would not be stunned. Play the damn game. Let's see where it goes. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Over? Did you say Over? Nothing's over till we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Tom? Yeah. Brian? Woo! Here's why I can get away with saying that shiz. The series isn't over. You have to lose four games in order to get eliminated. According to some, the Pens are already toast. There's no shortage of people who think... This series is done. Local columnists, radio hosts, radio blokes from across the country, all them people in Washington, they're already looking forward to the Penguins' offseason. But autopsies aren't done until you're dead. Nobody's going to embalm my ass until my heart stops beating. These Penguins still have a pulse. Mike DeCourcy, he of the Sporting News, learned that the hard way in 2016. When the Penguins were trailing Tampa 3-2 in the conference final, he wrote a piece excoriating Sidney Crosby. Interesting hill to try to die on. The column called out his leadership abilities. Mike's an excellent writer. He's opinionated. He's passionate. And above all, he's got reason to write what he does. But that piece aged as well as a two-term president. The Penguins hadn't yet been cast aside. The same captain that was criticized wound up scoring a goal and registering an assist as the Penguins forced a Game 7 which they won. Then they went on to win the Cup. And Crosby, the bad leader, went on to win the Cotsmyth Trophy for playoff MVP. 
Just FYI to all you Penguins fans out there who are slicing your arms up right now and jumping off the bridges, every series that goes seven games has to have one team trailing three to two in game six. Every single game seven has a team that had to win their way to get there. That's just the way it goes. The greatest two words in sports you hear all the time are game seven. Well, there's always a team that's written off prior to game seven. And this time it's the Penguins. I don't stop believing in them. Remember that before you go jumping off the Clemente Bridge. Remember that before you start shoving Permani sandwiches down your throat until you suffocate. Two years ago, after game five against Tampa, at the same time DeCourcy wrote his Crosby piece, I was driving into the station, I had to record a Penguins report, and I remember thinking, if they don't do it now, they're not going to win another championship in the Crosby era. For a Pens fan, it was heartbreaking. It felt like his career had been wasted if they were going to lose that game. But in my head, I thought they played pretty well throughout the series. They've been outchancing Tampa Bay. They can do this. And so I thought to myself, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm not going to decorsey it. And we all know what happened. I urge all of you Penguins fans to not start throwing general manager Jim Rutherford under the bus uh, to not kill Derek Brassard, to not punch Phil Kessel mentally in the face, and to not shoot Chris Letang into the sun. Because they yet might do enough to win this series. Should I go over the top and rip Rutherford's roster? Should I rip Chris Letang? How about Kessel, Brassard? Murray hasn't been great. No. There's no need to do that right now. Because each of those players could step up. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? The Pens are down, but they ain't out right now. I won't crush them until they are, and really, I probably won't even then. They've been the cup champs for 694 days. T.J. Oshie, we love him in Pittsburgh, was asked what it would mean to eliminate the Penguins and move on to the conference final, and I thought his quote was telling. Quote, I don't know if I could tell you exactly what it would mean. None of us have ever been there, end quote. Interesting that he didn't say that they're already in the conference final because, aren't they? That's what Penguins fans seem to think. He did say that they've never been there before, and that's true. And the Penguins, though, have in each of the last two years after beating Washington, and really by beating them somewhat improbably. The Penguins squandered a 3-0 lead and won in Ottawa. Uh, pardon me, an OT two years ago in Game 6. Ah, I can't believe I did that to myself. Last year, the Penguins were getting spanked, and they won in Game 7, despite having been worse than the Capitals in Games 5 and 6. The Penguins can do this, and it wouldn't be any less probable. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic going to join us in about 13 minutes here to discuss. Penguins also tend to win elimination games with Mike Sullivan at the helm. Anybody notice that? Uh, they have won nine straight series with that dude behind the bench. Penguins are also 9-1 and all-time when the Capitals have an opportunity to eliminate them, including 4-0 on Pittsburgh ice. None of that has any bearing on tonight's game, but I mention it because it might make you want to second-guess writing them off. Consider this record, though, because I do think this matters. The Penguins are 4-0 under Mike Sullivan in elimination games. Two years ago, they were down 3-2 to against Tampa and came back to win the next two. Those Penguins were better. 
but so was that Tampa team than this Washington team. Last year, they faced a Game 7 against Ottawa. They faced a 2-1 series deficit against Ottawa. They won those games. Last year, they had to face Game 7 against Washington. What'd they do? They won. These Penguins ain't scared. These Penguins know that you have to lose four games to lose a series. Something that Mike Sullivan said today after the morning skate. You have to win four. You have to lose four. That's why you play the whole damn series. And these Penguins have been there before. Brian Rust has 11 points in 17 career elimination games. Whether the Penguins have a chance to eliminate you or whatever team it is has a chance to eliminate Pittsburgh. He scored two big ones in this building that we're going to see him playing against Tampa in 2016. Mike Sullivan doesn't have hubris. He'll make adjustments. He'll tune his boys up. They played differently in each elimination game than they did in the series prior to that point. When you go back to Tampa Bay, they switch things up schematically. Wound up winning the next two. Last year against Washington, they changed things up schematically in Game 7. And Mike Sullivan today admitted that they were watching some film. They usually don't do that late in series unless they're trailing. And when they do, they usually fix things. And when they fix things, they usually win. And when they win, they win enough to move on. Crosby's going to be at his best, as will Malkin. If the Capitals want to close this thing out tonight, they'll need to bring their best. Because I don't think anything short of it will win this game. I have faith that the Penguins get it done tonight at home. Their desperation level will give them the edge that they need. They've played their best hockey in this postseason when they've been pushed to the brink. And I realize it doesn't seem like that because they gave up two goals in the third period against Washington on Saturday, but they did enough prior to that, aside from finish, to win that game. And as we know, finishing has a lot to do with luck and has a lot to do with the opposing goalie. If the Penguins clean a few things up, they should be back to Washington for another elimination game. Another one where I wouldn't count the Penguins out. 412-922-2874. How confident are you in the Penguins' chances tonight to close things out? There's been a bunch of discussion about whether or not these Capitals are a different team and how resilient they are. And is this Capitals team more resilient than last year's Capitals team? Can they finally beat the Pittsburgh Penguins? Have they learned? And... Here's what Sidney Crosby had to say about it today. Quote, I thought the Caps were pretty relentless the last couple years, too. The games are separated by one goal here, mistake here, mistake there. I didn't see them give in before. That's an easy storyline because we ended up winning. But I didn't see that, end quote. I've been beating that drum for a long time. The, The Capitals team last year was maybe a better hockey team than the Pittsburgh Penguins. That two years ago, it was a coin flip. And that this year, it was going to be the same thing. It's a bounce here, a bounce there. The last two years, the Penguins have gotten the bounces. This year, the Penguins did not. They had a goal called back in game number two. They had Tom Wilson trip Ole Mata and it not get called in game number three. These Penguins haven't gotten the breaks that they're used to getting. And in order to win a Stanley Cup, not only do you have to have breaks, but you also have to be great. Penguins have been great the last two years and also gotten those breaks. You need it. Think back to 2009, if you want to even go back further, just to look at another championship example. The Penguins were down to the Capitals, 2-0 in that series, and Chris Letang banks one in in overtime. If that one doesn't go in, the Penguins don't advance. They're down 3-0. It's over. Hell, Washington, last year, 
or last series, pardon me. They were down two games to nothing in overtime against Columbus. They lose that game. They're done. It's over. They're not going to win four straight from that point forward. It's just not going to happen. Not with how good we saw at times Columbus could be. You need luck. You need to be good. But the luck helps push you over the edge when you're evenly matched with whatever opponent it is that you're facing. There's this notion that the Capitals aren't their choking dog selves from the rest of their existence, and I suppose that's a fair point because they didn't just fold in these last couple of games. But at the same time, I don't think these last two years they've been choking dogs. Sure, they gripped the stakes a little too tight in Game 7 last year, and they admitted that, but that's not the reason they lost the game. One of the reasons is bad luck. Alex Ovechkin shoots a puck off the butt end of Marc-Andre Fleury's stick, and it stays out. That's bad luck for them. That's going to find its way into the back of the net at least 50% of the time, and Penguins got the right 50 then. Braden Holpe's going to stop Patrick Hornquist's shot in Game 7 last year nine and a half times out of ten, and he didn't. Bad luck. He got a piece of it. Matt Murray is going to stop the shot from Matt Niskanen in Game 3, I think, nine and a half times out of ten. It hits his pad and it bounces up and goes in. That's the difference in this series so far. Bad pinches by Chris Letang. Sometimes mediocre to less than goaltending from Matt Murray. And a bounce here and there. Let's not shoot these Penguins into the sun because they could lose to Washington. They could have lost the last two years. They didn't. Washington could have won the last two years. They didn't. We'll see what happens these next two games. But these Capitals aren't perfect. All the people who are discounting the Penguins, I don't think realize that the Penguins' flaws have also been Washington's flaws. As far as Washington learning, quote-unquote, they've blown three third-period leads in these playoffs. The Penguins have blown two. These Capitals aren't impervious. They can be beat. And I think the Penguins have a really darn good chance of beating them tonight. It makes tonight's game fascinating. What narratives will be born and which ones will die? If Crosby stinks, what happens? What will Penguins fans say? If Ovechkin stinks, what are Capitals fans going to say? So much is riding on this game in terms of legacy for Ovechkin, and it shouldn't be for Crosby, but you Pittsburgh fans are just dumb enough to maybe make it happen. I'm only allotted, what is it, 15 seconds per segment? 15 seconds. To talk about other things than hockey? And not per segment. You have two 15-second bursts within the hour. Wow, so 30 seconds an hour to talk about anything other than hockey. Total. That's what we agreed on. But only 15 seconds at a time. And you will be buzzed. You will be knocked off. You have to stop when Tom tells you. Okay. I don't know if I want to shoot the magic bullet here then. Hey, it's your your 15 seconds, so you you choose wisely when you want to use it. I could do whatever I want with them? Yeah, but once once you let us know so we can start the clock, and then you'll get buzzed when you're done. How is it that Mason Rudolph is a better public speaker, a better PR guy than Ben Roethlisberger, who's 36 years old? He's got 14 years, does Ben Roethlisberger, on Mason Rudolph, and Mason's going to say all the right things to the media, and Ben Roethlisberger's not going to say the right things?
Coming up next, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Talking puck for longer than 15. It's the Crowley Show. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Oh, I so desperately want to call into some Washington-eating establishment and troll them. Come on, Penguins! Hold up your end of the bargain! Game six tonight. I've got a good feeling about it. But at the same time, I'm nauseous as all. Get out. Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joins us now on the show. Jesse, how are you? Doing well, Adam. Jesse, I've got a good feeling about tonight's game. Should I have a good feeling about tonight's game? Um, I don't see why not. I, I think that you know there, there haven't been a lot of times that Mike Sullivan's lost back-to-back um, uh, games in the playoffs in his series. Obviously, he did, but um, you know it's the first time that it ever happened. Um, so I, I, I think that the Penguins grossly outplayed the Capitals for long stretches of uh, Saturday night's game and didn't uh, walk away with a positive result just because of some tiny little 10 to 15 second circumstances where they had complete and utter meltdowns and if they could cut those out uh the the outcome of that game is probably a little bit different so i mean as far as your optimism is concerned i think it's entirely justified you mentioned on twitter uh, jesse marshall did that mike sullivan had his players looking at video and usually that's a good sign Uh, i would imagine one of the things that they were looking at on video was the complete and utter failures of chris letang at times Uh, in Saturday's game. I've been a big Chris Letang fan. He's a good person. He's been a very good player for this club. But what needs to be done with him? Got to rein it in. Got to rein it in completely. Um, And and what's concerning to me, I guess, Adam, is if you listen to what Letang had to say after that that game was over, um, he and Brian Dumoulin both said that it was just a miscommunication between the two of us and um, you know, we we weren't reading each other correctly. Uh, I, I would get, you know, that's something you can accept in Game Ten uh, of the regular season. It's not something I know that's all that acceptable in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So for me, it's a mental thing, uh, and I, I I don't know if the decision making process just isn't coming naturally anymore. And and now there's you know the, these these decisions that just feel forced and out of place with I think what you've seen from him. Uh, you know, over the course of his career, I, I don't think it's a physical limitation. Uh, I just don't think that since his return, he's really settled back in and found the pace and, and the quick decision making that he had uh, in his time pre-surgery. Uh, and, and maybe this is an injury that takes a lot longer to recover from, and we're all being really selfish. I think that's also a possibility. Uh, but uh, you know, you look back at that game, and that's an op- that's a big opportunity missed. Uh, and there's some big hiccups to have this late in the season. And I think that's what, that's where my concern is. You mentioned on Twitter perhaps moving Justin Schultz to that top pairing with Brian Dumoulin. Would you still consider that? Nah, I thought about it. I think that, uh, I think that despite the fact that your top pairing is, is having these hiccups that you know are seemingly coming out of nowhere, and uh, well, not coming out of nowhere, but are still persistent this late in the season, probably not a good idea to shake it up even more. Uh, <laughs> that's I, I think a, re- sense that's normalcy, a really probably. good point. Yeah, probably any sense of normalcy you can get now is going to be a good thing. So, and I don't think we've ever seen Mike Sullivan make a panic move. You know, and I, and I, you know, he mentioned today that when you play a team five times in a row, there's not a whole lot you're going to take away from a video session that talks about systems, right? And I think his focus today wasn't on systems; it was on circumstances. And I think that to take it back to day one and to just point some of that stuff out, and I don't think he's doing it in a way that's 
you know, Bobby Knight in nature. I think it's or John Tortorella for a hockey comparison. I think it's just you know stern dad talk. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that if you look at historically look at him, the times at the Penguins, and specifically as Mike Sullivan has come out and told the media, we watched video today. And then you look at their performance the very next game. Uh, generally, it's a blowout that goes in their favor. I mean, they just, you go back to Philadelphia last series, in the middle of that series when the wheels are falling off defensively, the Penguins come back out and just put a ton of goals on the board post one of these mysterious video sessions. So for me, that's nothing but a good omen for tonight. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joining me here on the Crowley Show. How about the lines from the last game? We finally saw some life from Broussard in terms of the production because I think at times he hasn't looked as bad as people are making it out to be. Uh, we saw Connor Sherry play well. Uh, I liked what we saw from the Penguins for the first time, maybe all playoffs, rolling four lines. Yeah, and I think they finally found something now that uh, Carl Hagelin and Evgeny Malkin are back in the lineup. Uh, just a little bit of settling in, I think, there um, that, that finally took place. And, and let's, let's be honest, I think the thing with Derek Broussard, Adams, he's not, he's not finishing. And you can make the same argument about Connor Sherry um, well, prior to that game. I, I think that at the end of the day, that's where the fans' frustration comes from. You know, uh, big game brass being the nickname, you know, that people don't want that to be just a guy who racks up a bunch of scoring chances, right, and doesn't convert on them. So the goal's got to come, and, and given the situation, uh, that they're in now, uh, that, that, that scoring would be a great time for it to strike would be tonight. It absolutely would. Uh, I think I read somewhere, Jesse, that the that Sidney Crosby uh, had 75% of the scoring chances go against him when he was on the ice. Is that correct? Um, I, I believe that would have been what they refer to as high danger scoring chances. Okay. I, don't, I don't believe I don't believe that was all like that was specific to all scoring chances. Um, I have to double-check that, but I don't believe that was the case. No, but he, to that being said, though, that line, I think specifically, got a lot of zone time, and they didn't do a whole lot with it. Um, for me, what I think was frustrating about it was that, that, that just, they didn't generate enough shots, and you generally would like to see Sidney Crosby um, you know, not just dominate from a time of possession status, but just get a little bit more at the net. Um, I think that, that his line had seven attempted shots uh, in the entire game, um, and that was uh, uh, that only five of those hit the net. So that that was, you know, they, they, it's not as if they weren't spending time in the offensive zone. It was just that they weren't producing anything out of it, and, and it was way too one and done as far as their chances were concerned. Um, so I, I think, if anything, they, they've got to find a way to elongate those shifts and make those possessions uh, a little bit more fruitful in terms of what they generate uh, in terms of the traffic and shots at the net. Would you consider putting Hornquist up there or maybe even Brian Rust? Yeah, I would do that. Um, Dominic Simone, for me, Adam, I, I think that he's a good guy that in terms of, of somebody that can get into the boards at a high rate of speed uh, and try to try, try to break up plays, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I think every decision he's making is, is he's making rushed. I just don't, I don't sense a lot of patience out of him. Uh, I think when you're playing with guys like Evgeny Malkin or, or Sidney Crosby or even Phil Kessel, for that matter, you know, going back to earlier this series, you have to be able to pick your head up, take a deep breath, and, and say, what's the best thing to do with this puck, right? Uh, I'm in a prime scoring area here. Uh, you know, do you want to just take a whack at it and get it on net, or do you want to try to pick a corner? Do you want to try to make a cross-ice pass? Those are the things you don't see from him. And while he can separate man from puck and he's an energy guy and he's good at creating space, I think there's one element missing there that, that's not allowing him to click with some of these high-caliber players, which is 
you've got to calm that game down and think one step ahead. Uh, if you're making those head-down rush, you know, kind of hope-panic decisions, you're, you're kind of ruining the momentum that those lines tend to build. How did you think Malkin played in Saturday's game? Um, I think every game he's looked better, right? Yeah. I think when he came, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Adam, say he was tentative in his first game back. You know, maybe maybe it was just that I think everybody felt tentative for him, given the nature of his injury. You know, being you know something lower body that was obviously you know giving him some tenderness and inability to skate. But I think every game he looks a little bit more immersed, uh, and I just love that line. Um, I, I, that that's you know if, if I was to make a change to Crosby line, I think it would definitely be with Brian Rust, mm-hmm. Adam, because I love that Malkin and the Swedes line and what it can, what it can do. Um, the elements of the game that you get in it. I mean, the, the Malkin line, no bones about it, was, was probably the Penguins' best line in Game 5. Uh, just the way that they controlled the game, the amount of shots that they put on net. Um, you know, they got, you know, Malkin obviously got burned defensively there and was on the ice for a couple goals, but I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know any of them had anything to do with him. So um, moving forward, you know, assuming you, you get a repeat performance out of the Crosby line tonight, you know, the. Say disaster strikes at him and they can't generate good puck possession, and you're looking back to Evgeny Malkin to carry them into this game seven. If Nick Backstrom can't play, uh, yikes, uh, obviously for Washington. Uh, I imagine that he will play, but what would it look like if Backstrom did not wind up being in this game? Yeah, I, I think he's going to. Um, at the end of the day, I, so here's the thing I think Barry Trotz did a really good job today of not disclosing what was going to take place through the line rushes that were taken in practice. Um, everything, I think, from our perspective, was, was hidden pretty well. Uh, I think Lars Eller would probably move up and take the spot between Stevenson and Oshie on that second line. Um, and then, you, you know, from that point on, I think what the bottom six looks like from there is just the complete wild card. Right. Uh, we, didn't get a good, we didn't get a good read today, I think, from practice in terms of who would be taking the line rushes to – to fill in that spot. So um, at the end of the day, I do think he will go in at him. And uh, I think it might be a Phil Kessel situation where you find out whether, you know, uh, Nick Backstrom at, you know, 40, 50% is, is, you know, good enough to make an impact on your lineup. Hey, speaking of Phil Kessel, let's talk about Phil Kessel. He looked better to me in this last game than he had at any other point in the series. Still didn't love his game, but I guess the hope now is with another couple extra days to heal, is he going to be that much better? Is it because he's getting healthier? Is it because of the criticism? Who knows? But uh, what are you expecting from Phil? Uh, I, I expect him to get more pucks on net. Adam, I thought he did a really good job in that regard in that game. Um, that that was something I think that was missing from him, and it kind of looked like you know he was deferring away from his shot. And I don't think that's something you you ever want to see Phil Kessel do. And I think even if even if he is hampered by injury, which you know again we're speculating on that, but even if he is, uh, I think that. It, it, if it's affecting your ability to come off that wall and fire pucks on net, that's a concern. And even if he can just do it, Adam, at a 60%, like let's say he's operating at 60%, that I think Penguin fans can live with because uh, his shot's that deceiving and the release is still that, you know, um, uh, that, that violent uh, that I think that even if, if you know, you're shooting at 60 50%, you're still getting pucks on net. You're still trying to deceive the goaltending with your release, and, and that's not a bad thing. So, my takeaway from, from Game 5 was you know, just looking at how quickly he was able to get shots off, uh, a little bit more stern in his decision-making. I think if you can keep that up for tonight, um, he's going to be just fine. 
I think the worst case scenario, the thing that would leave Penguins fans feeling the absolute worst, and I'll say this as Tom knocks on wood over there in the studio, is that the Penguins play really well, possess the puck, throw the puck at the net the way they did the other night, and Braden Holtby just stands on his head and is able to keep the puck out. This is more the regular season Braden Holtby, and really the playoff Braden Holtby that we have seen when he plays anybody else other than the Penguins. And I've said this a bunch, I don't think he's been terrible when he's played the Penguins in the past, but... Uh, he's doing what we need to see Matt Murray do for the Penguins to win these next two games. Yeah, they just got to keep trying to score the ugly ones too, Adam. I, I think that you look back at, at the chances that Olimata and, and Brian Dumoulin had towards the end of, of Game Five. There was golden opportunities there that uh, you know you give those guys, and even though those guys are defensemen, right? We're not relying on them to score. Uh, you, you give them those opportunities again, uh, you've you got to feel pretty good about their chances. So, um, you know, no offense to Braden Hopi, who has, as you said, has been absolutely phenomenal. I think the Penguins have bypassed a lot of golden opportunities. I think they've had trouble finishing from time to time. Uh, and I think that, that, that they, they sometimes seem to forget, Adam, that a lot of the ways that they've beaten them in this series have been the ugliest goals sure. possible. Right? I, I, and that's what tonight's game is about for me. Um, you think back to, you know, in game seven last year. Uh, Penguins Capitals and that some of those that Patrick Hornquist goal was just disgusting, right? So I think that you go for the same thing tonight. You make his life hard. You get to the tough areas of the ice. You swarm the crease and um, you know try to put yourself in a situation where you can get the ugly ones. And, and you know if he's going to be perfect everywhere else, sometimes a little luck has to go uh, your way to, to and those deflections and tip-ins in front to to beat him. And uh, the Penguins have shown they can do that. I think they just have to commit to to playing that way in the offensive zone. Last couple of things here for Jesse Marshall uh, of the Athletic. Is luck the biggest thing going against the Penguins in this series? Not 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 to be that guy and to complain, but I think bad luck had a lot to do with why Washington didn't win, uh, especially last year uh, when these two teams met up. Uh, both of these teams right now are clicking. Uh, I think a little bit above average in terms of you know what we refer to as PDO, Adam. Without going down a huge rabbit hole here. Uh, you know, shooting percentage and save percentage have a tendency to average themselves out, right, at, at any given point. Um, and we can track that through PDO, which is a sort of little stock market tracker for hockey. The Capitals have been a little bit luckier, quote-unquote, than the Penguins have this run, but the Penguins are still right there. Um, pucks are still bouncing the Penguins' way, according to the data. Uh, so I think both of these teams are, are kind of operating in a, in a situation right now where they've, they've probably gotten a little bit you know, a little bit more to the generous side as far as bounces go. But I don't think either team really has an advantage in that department. Uh, it's, it's kind of a wash as far as the data would tell us. I think, and this is something that people have said, that if the Capitals lose tonight, it just becomes the ultimate pressure cooker again in D.C. for Game 7 because it always seems to wind up that way. I think it would be very frustrating for the Capitals and certainly their fan base if after everything that they've done this series to take the lead, all that nonsense, that they would wind up being in the same place again uh, after all that. So, does the winner of tonight's game win the series, in your opinion? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I believe that. Um, I I just think if if you look at even the narrative, I think, that's coming out of D.C. right now, uh, even before a game is played tonight where their team holds a three games to two advantage. A lot of the pundits in D.C. tonight, Adam, are talking about uh, tonight's the officiating tonight's game hasn't even started yet. So to me, that's, that's pre-made excuse-making. Um, so if you want to get an idea of what pressure looks like, uh, at least as, it, as, as far as it comes to a team externally is concerned, start right there. Uh, I, I feel like the, the disaster 
uh, is laying in wait uh, for everyone in Washington. That's the way they act. That's the way they talk. Um, as the Penguins win this game, um, you might see another 2009 situation where they just come into Game 7 and just lay waste to Washington. Uh, I have a feeling that if the Penguins win this game tonight in any kind of convincing fashion, that's what we're in line for uh, moving into the end of the week. Great stuff, Jesse. Always appreciate the time, and hey, hopefully we're doing this for another couple weeks, huh? Yeah, sounds good. Take care, buddy. Thanks. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. One of the guys he's referring to is our friend Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan in D.C., who said, prediction, Penguins will have two power plays in the first period. Give me a break with that nonsense. Uh, the league's trying to help Pittsburgh. Hey, Grant, if the league was trying to help Pittsburgh, they wouldn't have taken a goal off the board in game number two. Uh, Parallax, Schmerlax, they wouldn't have taken a goal away. What are you talking about? But I think that there is a deep-seated belief that things are just going to fall apart for Washington, and I think that's exactly what Jesse's talking about there. If you've got... 100,000 followers, as Grant does, and you're bitching. He's successful. You're complaining about the referees before the game even begins? You know that you never won anything before. And imagine that pressure cooker. Oh, God, the Penguins need to win tonight. They need to win tonight. We need Pittsburgh to win just so we can hear and see and probably even smell and taste all the hot takes coming out of Washington for the next day plus as we ramp up for Game 7 on Wednesday. Coming up next, it's the five-minute major. I'll tell you why the Penguins lost on Sunday and some of the things that I think that they can and will fix to win tonight. It's the Crowley Show. We alarm our houses, and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your Social Security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Yeah, I had to go to the eye doctor yesterday, Tom. Why's that? Uh, they told me that I was colorblind. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it just totally came out of the purple. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I see what you did there. What do you mean? I don't know. Thank God we weren't on the air for that one. Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Wow. Okay. Out of the purple. Dude, that's the worst joke I've ever heard on the show, and I've heard some really bad jokes on here. The only thing I laughed at was Tom saying, good thing you weren't on the air. What are you talking about? How the hell did he hear? What? I don't understand. Huh. I'm at a loss. I don't know either. How did he hear that? No one heard that other than Tom and Brian. And Brayden's, Brayden's he... a little creepy. Like, where, where's Brayden? Is Brayden in here? That's what I'm thinking. Is he like, is this a dub account of somebody we work with? I've met Brayden, though. Although that guy could be proxy. Could be. You somebody, never know. That It's just weird, man. Ugh. FYI, if you watch the cheese tease, proxy is on my word of the day toilet paper. I never used that word. I've used it like 15 times today. <laughs> uh, every time we shot the cheese teas and just there on the show. I have a housekeeping question, Tom. Yeah? I'm only allowed to spend 15 seconds, or 30 seconds, I suppose, an hour talking about things other than hockey. 15 seconds at a time. 
But twice in an hour, correct. Okay, so I can do two 15-second bursts talking about any sport other than hockey. Or any topic, really. Or any topic, yes. If I don't use it this segment... Do I get to roll it over to the 5 o'clock hour? No, oh. there is no rollover. Well, that's here. some horse nope. bleep. No, nope. I mean, it's really hell? not. It's really not. Give yeah. me some time for takes. I feel you, Tom. No, that's, uh, see, you'll abuse it. And what you'll do is at the end of the show, you'll take like three minutes talking about something that clearly doesn't matter because the Pens are in a, a fight for their life tonight. So that's why there's no roll. <sighs> All right, fine. I'll accept it. It's two out of three of us. There's nothing I can do. Nope. I have no powers. I can't overrule it. I'm just going to have to roll with it. Majority rules. Uh, now I need to figure out what to squeeze into 15 seconds at the end of this segment. Tom, find me a, a topic to fit into 15 seconds for the end of the segment. Look, okay? I don't want to be—I uh, okay. don't want to be nitpicky here, but uh, technically talking about the 15-second violation no is a vi- no! is wasting 15 seconds on a topic that's not hockey. No, you, no, don't start the clock now. No, that's horse crap. Clock started. Stop Sorry. it. I don't make the rules. Oh, the Pirates here, are playing real well right now. They only went two out of three in Milwaukee, the house of horrors. Usually they've got a lot of. Tr- oh. It's time for the five minute major. It's time to get fucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. This is the five minute major with Adam Crowley. Uh, there's nothing I can do. The timer is definitive. Timer is not hockey. Go. The Penguins had 22 high danger scoring chances in game five, depending on which site you're looking at. I saw some have 24, some have 23, some have 22, but that's a bleep ton. They had 15 in five on five play. That's a bunch. Those are pucks that could go in the back of the net, and in a lot of chance, in a lot of situations, should go into the back of the net. Penguins shot the puck on net 18 times in the second period. It was the best that they've looked all playoffs long, and that's not hyperbole. That's the best period they played. It just is. I had a buddy who said, "Oh, they beat Philadelphia seven nothing in game number one of the playoffs. That's the best they played." No, that's allowing score to tell you that that's the best they played. I realize scoring goals is important. I get putting up seven, putting up eight feels good. Penguins put up more goals in those two games, the bookends of the Philadelphia series, than they have over the entire course of this series. They're getting their chances, though. They have an opportunity if they just stick to their game plan. It's the best they've looked all playoffs long. But Braden Holby was up to the task. And you can blame Olimata. You can blame Ryan Dumoulin for not doing enough at the end of the game there to capitalize on opportunities. And I do agree that those are opportunities that should have been capitalized on. But at some point, you got to give Washington some credit. And Brayden Holpe is as good as he's ever been at this moment right now. But back to the Penguins, who I did think a lot of good things in game number five. Uh, I don't think that Washington, apart from Brayden Holpe, beat them. I think that they did beat themselves in a lot of regards. Dominic Simone took a penalty literally. And I don't use that word often because we often flub it up. Literally took a penalty 200 feet from his own net. That led to a Carlson power play goal. Then the Caps scored to make it 2-1 to one going into the second period. It was a period what, where I thought the Penguins had the better of the play. Until they were down a goal. Not ideal. And that goal that was given up should never have made it through the legs of Matt Murray. Shouldn't. Derek Broussard also missed a tip-in. Sidney Crosby got rubbed by the glove on power play. And there, did I say rubbed? You guys looked at each other like I said rubbed. And, yeah, then, it, and then you added by the glove. <laughs> oh, he got rubbed by the glove? Yeah. You're going to have to yank that one, Tom. 
Please go ahead and pull that for me. Chris Letang, what the hell are you doing, man? What the hell? The Kuznetsov goal is inexcusable. It can't happen. You have to know where you're supposed to be on the ice. And as much as I think Crystal Tank can be a great player, stuff like that happens far too often. It was a stationary breakout! There's nothing confusing coming from a stationary breakout! He needs to be more disciplined. And then on the Verona game-winning goal, he didn't ride his man out in front of the net. And Verona had an easy tip-in. Tip-in. Now, part of that is Murray's fault for not playing it right. He played Ovechkin far too wide, and he admitted that after the game. He didn't need to do that. Matt Murray has not been great in this series. I've been beating the Murray drum for a long time here, and unfortunately for the Penguins, he hasn't played as well as they've needed him to. He looks like regular season Matt Murray. He'll have moments where he's great, like he did in period one of Saturday's game. And then he'll have moments where you think, son of a bitch, how did that get through? I had thought all along I'd put Schultz alongside Dumoulin after the game, but I was convinced otherwise by Jesse Marshall in an earlier segment on the show. If Chris Letang can't communicate with the partner he's had all season long, he ain't all of a sudden going to start communicating well with a new partner. So let's just toss that one out the window. Broussard's line woke up. Sherry Broussard and Kuhnhockel, for as weird a configuration as that is, worked well. Kuhnhockel digs out pucks. He's a big body. He'll hit a guy. And Sherry and Broussard have created a lot of chances uh, over the course of the playoffs, and I thought a lot on Saturday. It might have been the Penguins' best line. And Phil Kessel, maybe the most important thing, I think, to come from Saturday's game is that it looks like he can still play the game of hockey. Uh, I was concerned he was forgetting how to do it. Okay, that might be overstating things, but Phil Kessel looked a lot more like himself than he did at any other point this series. A turnover allowed the second Washington goal, and he brutally gave it away on the Oshie empty netter, but he looked more like himself on the power play, the shots were firing, and his battle level seemed to be up a notch. If he could play like that, though, the question is, why didn't he play like that before? The Penguins need him to take one more step tonight, whether it's him getting healthier, whether it's adrenaline, whatever it is, they need him to be a little bit better tonight if they want to move on. Let's go to Devin next up on the Crowley Show, talking about hockey for maybe the first time in the program's history. Hello, Devin. Yeah, unfortunately, Brad, I, I really only get into it during the playoffs. I love him, and I'm rooting for him always, but I start watching it in the playoffs. Dominic Simone gets a stupid penalty every game. Also, uh, what happened to Chris Letang? What happened to our defense? Period. That's why I don't feel confident this year. I don't even it's think like, it's a. I don't even think it's an entire systematic breakdown on the defensive front. I think a lot of the problems have been Chris Letang oriented. You're going to give up goals in every game. It's going to happen. It's a playoffs. You're playing good teams. We've seen Alexander Ovechkin play his best hockey this series when he's walking into the Penguins' net unimpeded, two on one. And a lot of the time, it's been with Chris Letang on the ice. So was Reeves that important? I don't. Just like I don't see like the. the like the last two years, you just saw them like throwing their bodies in front of pucks, just playing out of their minds, willing to get their teeth knocked out to stop somebody from scoring. I don't see it this year. Well, I appreciate the call, Devin, and I'll disagree with that a little bit. Actually, they have put their body on the line. They're blocking more shots than anybody in the playoffs. They're giving up less shots than anybody in the playoffs. The problem is the shots they're giving up are too high quality, and the biggest issue there is Chris Letang jumping in on plays when he shouldn't be. 
And Olimata jumping in on a play when he shouldn't have at the end of game number three when he threw the puck into the middle of the ice blind. It's stuff like that. It's not having your head on a swivel. It's not knowing where you are on the ice. It's not being on your screws that's really screwed the Penguins. They've been good in their own D zone, largely, for the most part. Although the first shift of the game on Saturday, Dumoulin and Latang lost Ovechkin in front. That can't happen. But it's happened far too often. It's largely his fault. We'll see if it changes. We might need to see the Penguins play more conservatively. They did so, I thought, in game number four. And maybe they'll do so tonight. I think they're going to win either way, though. I think they're going to throw the damn kitchen sink at Braden Holpe. And they're going to get one more than Washington's going to get. How about that analysis? Coming up next, pressure on the Caps tonight? I don't think so. I'll tell you why. It's the Crowley Show. The flowers are blooming. Birds are chirping. Everybody everywhere has a little more pep in their step. It's warming up, and there's work to be done. So come on, people. Hop to. There's no time like springtime to stop into 84 Lumber to get everything you need to build that new deck or gazebo. Start now, and you'll be able to enjoy your new project all summer long. Visit 84lumber.com to find a store near you. So if the Penguins lose, should we just only talk football tomorrow? <laughs> just flush it all down? <laughs> I'm down. I mean, who would want to revisit it if they're if they're sent home? Yeah, I'm out. But I mean, I, I, I'm pretty confident we're going to be talking Penguins tomorrow. Pretty confident. Pretty kind of confident. A little, we, little worried. All right, maybe we'll just slide in some Steelers talk. I mean, we got to kind of 